Thanks for listening to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore and Jocelyn Gotto. I'm your producer, Beth, and today Mike and I are discussing a faith-shaking idea. It's the difference between knowing Jesus and knowing of him. With stories from the field, I know this episode is going to inspire and challenge your faith in a good way. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you how much it helps us out when you rate, review and share this podcast. As a charity, we're working to help people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. From the persecuted church to the free church, we know that when we work together as one, learning from one another and growing together, we can truly make a difference. So we want to get this message as far and wide as possible, and we can't do that without you. So why don't you take some time right now before you listen to this episode to rate, review, and maybe even share this episode on your social media. Thanks. Now let's jump into another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. Well, hello everybody. It is Michael here in the studio. Welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. I am sitting here as always with my co-host, Beth Westwood. Beth, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm well. It is a cold winter's day here in Sydney, so wherever you guys are listening from, I hope your weather is a bit nicer than here. I went to the Sydney Zoo yesterday. Oh, wow. It's the new, if everyone listening, it's a new zoo in Sydney. Oh, so not Tronga Zoo. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Beth, where have you been? I didn't it know is a new one. The, oh, that's right, because you live on the northern yeah, beaches. Yeah. <laughs> and this is in Western Sydney. So I went to the Western Sydney Zoo. Mm. Um, the Sydney Zoo it's called. It was fun. Took the girls with me, eleven yep. and seven. Yep. They had uh, researched all the animals. We got to follow the map around. Their point of difference is that they have a bull shark. Oh. And I was like, man, I cannot it's wait very to aquarium. See it. Yeah, well I can't wait to see a bull shark. Mm. We get there, the barramundi in the tank are bigger than the shark. In fact, <laughs> one like of the a... kids says, here comes a shark, Dad. I was looking for it thinking, <laughs> where small. is it, right? Then all of a sudden this thing that looks like a tadpole swims past. Oh, wow. And it had a fin and I thought, that's the shark. There it is. <laughs> that is incredibly <laughs> underwhelming. But it was a wonderful day out. Oh, good. Well, there you go. That's a good plug for the new zoo in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, look, on to a more serious note and for today's episode. Well, to start us off, Beth, we've got a COVID update mm. for you from the field. We recently received an urgent prayer request from our local church partners in India. Many of you who have been following along will have seen on the news how bad the pandemic has been in India mm especially at the moment. And many of our local church partners actually contracted COVID-19 themselves and have been in the fight of their lives. Mm. Our reports tell us that since the pandemic began, over 120 million people, Beth, in India have lost their jobs. Many Christian families were forced to depend on the emergency relief that was being distributed. But like we've seen before, many were excluded from it because of their faith choice. The good news is, though, your help and support of thousands upon thousands of Christians in India through the work of Open Doors mm. with the essential things they've needed to survive the pandemic, like medicine and food. So we want to thank each of our listeners today and all of the people that support the ministry because your help really does make a difference. Mm. But we also need to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in India. They face incredible persecution and also the fear and the stress of the global pandemic. Actually, let's just take a moment now, if um, you wouldn't mind as our listener, to just quickly pray for the church in India. I think it's really powerful when we can get together and do that together. So, Lord, we just lift up 
the nation of India to you and we pray for our brothers and sisters there who share our faith but not our freedom God and we pray that you continue to provide for them continue to help us in the West raise aid and emergency relief for them so that the church can remain in that country because we know and we hear how difficult it is to be a Christian there so we thank you that you are with them that you continue to build the church and that you'll help us play our part in that amen amen Mike, I know you've actually learned a lot from some of our local church partners in India. And I know one of them, who is a dear friend of yours, actually came to visit us before the pandemic, pre-COVID days. Yeah, well, he's a good friend of mine. His name is Sandeep. And some of the listeners will have heard him speak around Australia at different events. He came for the Open Doors live tour. Mm. And um, it was. It was an incredibly like memorable time, I think. Mm. For, for some of our listeners who don't know, I was born in India, so I've got this kind of connection. I was adopted, and so I grew up in Australia. I probably see myself as Australian as opposed to Indian. Mm. But there is this deep sense of connection. And, um, and, and being able to spend time traveling around the country with Sandeep and hearing his heart for Christians, the mm. church, and also the difficulty of work in India mm. was a really, yeah, really encouraging two weeks. And I feel like he's such a, um, a humble person as well. But his church that he runs is huge, isn't it? Like, yeah, massive like, amount of influence. So, so he would have a reach of 1.25 million That's people. That probably makes him one of the largest kind of church leaders or pastors mm. on the planet and one that the world is unlikely to ever know. Yeah, And it's one of the beautiful things about the persecuted church is mm. that – they push your idea of acceptable Christianity to its limits because so much of the culture of church that I'm involved in these days here in the West, mm. it's about knowing the people leading the big churches or, yeah. you know, the charismatic front men. And, and again, it's not saying that's a bad thing, but here's a guy that I remember taking him to Hillsong and, um, and one of our team looking over and going, you know what, conservatively, he probably leads one of the largest churches in the world. <laughs> and there he is, you know, sitting in the back blocks. Yeah. No one would have a clue who he is no. and just worshiping his guts out. Mm. And, um, and so he is a really humble man of God. I remember when the Open Doors live tour had finished, I was having breakfast with Sandeep the morning after. And that year, we had really seen persecution escalate for the church in India. Hindu extremists were rapidly increasing their focus on eradicating Christianity from India by the end of 2021, this year, Beth. Mm. Sandeep told me countless stories detailing horrible acts of violence against young Christian girls or pastors being beaten and imprisoned and the violent destruction of many churches. Sandeep's work in India is so dangerous, his wife and children were forced to live in another country. His daughter, about the same age as mine, Brooke, my eldest, well, Sandeep told me what it was like farewelling them at the airport. He said his daughter just looked him in the eyes and said, it's okay, Papa. The persecuted Christians need you more than I do. Man, what a, I mean, what a heartbreaking, yeah. but also what an inspiring, we always say hauntingly beautiful statement. Mm. Sandeep told me, how his every move is monitored, and it's only a matter of time before they catch up with him. Beth, I can't begin to imagine the pressure that he must feel. I asked Sandeep some questions around spiritual disciplines and the way he relates with God. For example, what does the first 60 minutes of his day look like? Sandeep told me that every night before going to bed, he simply asks the Lord to tap him on the arm and wake him the next morning. And every morning, the Lord will tap him on the arm and wake him. Sandeep said that he'll wake up immediately and happily every morning, I asked him, well, Sandeep, what time is that? He responded, well, it could be 3.45 or 4 a.m. in the morning. And then he told me how he'd spend the next several hours in prayer and worship with the Lord. At 6 a.m., he said he would make his wife a cup of tea and they'll drink it together before they'll then both spend time in prayer together. Well, the next question I asked was, what are your thoughts on the Australian church? This was at the end of that two-week tour. He'd seen the church in all of its beauty, all of its challenges. And this beautiful, humble and gentle man of God said to me, brother, I'm not worthy 
to answer that question. Only Jesus is. Wherever I see people gathered to worship Jesus, it's a beautiful thing. Beth, isn't that one of those incredibly unifying statements? Mm. Because it's it's not saying, hey, here's all the challenges, here's all the problems, here's the church I like. It's none mm. of that. Saying, hey, you know what? I'm not worthy to answer it. Mm. But I tell you what, whenever I see people together worshiping Jesus, mm. oh, it's, it's so a beautiful thing. I feel like we can be so quick to criticize the church, but I'm just going to keep that statement in my mind next time. It's a beautiful thing when Absolutely. people come together. Well, I followed the statement up with mm. maybe a more direct question, and I said to him, well, in that case, Sunday, well, could you tell me, what does a lukewarm Christian look like to you? Now, Beth, we've traveled the world together. It's one of the questions I love asking. You'll know it. Mm-hmm. Christians all over the world, what does a lukewarm Christian look like? I mean, the Bible says it's better to be hot or cold than lukewarm. Mm. And so I've always wondered from persecuted Christians, their lens on what does lukewarmness look like? Well, back to Sandeep. Because as tears welled up in his eyes, Beth, he looked at me and said, Brother, I fear that is me. I thought, wait, what? Mm. Here was a man who woke each morning by asking the Lord to tap him on the arm. A man who spends hours in prayer, has given up all the creature comforts of this world, risked his life daily, and had all but lost his family in pursuit of Jesus. And he's got the audacity to tell me that he is lukewarm. I remember thinking that moment, well, I'll tell you what, man, if he is lukewarm, at mm. least that makes me cold. <laughs> but Beth, it wasn't about the time he woke up. It wasn't even about how long he spent in prayer each day. It's the fact that Sandeep has handed over control of his waking and his sleeping to the Lord. And to me, that's what a hand-holding, lockstep relationship with Jesus looks like. Which brings me to today's topic. There is a great difference, Beth, between knowing Jesus and knowing of Jesus. I fear that many of us, especially in the West, well, we know of Jesus, but do we truly know him? One of the greatest challenges to our faith, it might just be the relatively stable economic conditions we've grown up with and, to be honest, the safety of our own countries. Because when we look back at the apparent ease of our lives, our freedom of faith, it's so much harder to see where Jesus was throughout it. Sometimes I think we've been afflicted With affluence, there is a big difference between knowing Jesus and knowing of Jesus. What do you think then as well, off the back of that question, would be probably one of your biggest fears regarding your faith? Because obviously Sandeep's is to be lukewarm, even though you and I would definitely say that that's not the kind of believer that he is. But what would you say is something that um, you wrestle with or something that you are afraid of in your own faith? I think, you know, I kind of love the fact that on these podcasts we're hopefully creating a safer space mm. for people to ask those kind of questions. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty revealing question. And and the answer to that is that I'm lukewarm. Mm. Right? I think that's my greatest fear is that mm. I know that I'm lukewarm. Mm. Um, I don't say that in like a cliched, kitschy manner or anything like that. I, I mean, I through and through know mm. that I'm lukewarm. And it's not simply because I, I don't wake up with, the Lord tapping me on my arm or I don't wake up at three, four. I'm not judging it on those things. Mm. I just know that there is a vast difference between the Jesus that Sandeep knows and the Jesus that I know. Mm. The difference between knowing and knowing of, like if I had to articulate that, would be that in many ways, and as vulnerable as it sounds, in many ways Jesus doesn't feel real to me. Mm. He is real. Mm. Right? I'm not saying he's not. But for someone like a Sandeep, 
that's the difference. They're best friends. Mm. They wake up by tapping. Like there's those elements in his life where it's not a question of Jesus, are you real? Yeah. It's a question of, hey, I can't wait to see you tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And for me, that's the difference is that I don't have that relationship with Jesus. I have mm. one where I've grown up in Australia in a Christian family now for um, 40 years, always in the church or confirmed in the Anglican church. I mean, Sunday school my whole life, still actively involved in church. Mm. I, I know of Jesus. I know all about him. Yeah. But do I feel friends with him? Mm. And I think if, to, to answer that question again, my biggest fear is that I know I'm lukewarm and I know that I know of Jesus as opposed to know him. Because when I look to the persecuted church, when I meet with the persecuted church, when I learn from the persecuted church, it's not as yeah, if it does. And Jesus think a lot of is someone they would think relate is to that. Really I know I relate to that. Friends. I think for does me it's sort of sense? that moment of, um, you know, that scripture in Matthew where it talks about, you finally um, meet with the Lord, you, you know, you pass away, you're in heaven and and God says, you know, depart from me, I never knew you. And you think, I've lived my whole life mm. serving you. I mean, that verse says, you know, people said that they prophesied in Jesus' name, they drove out demons in his name and performed all these miracles. And yet God says to them, I never knew you. And I think that is such a real Thing that we grapple with in our faith. And I think it's okay to grapple with that. In fact, I'm so thankful for the persecuted church because they've taught me to wrestle with that. Um, before I had, you know, this, this encounter with the persecuted church, I wonder if I would have even asked myself those questions. So I think it's really healthy that we're tackling these questions and looking looking at them in the face and saying, yeah, am I lukewarm? What am I afraid about in my faith? Do I know Jesus or do I just know of him? I think that's why again one of the things with the persecuted church and for our listeners is I don't want I don't want them to walk away thinking the persecuted church are heroes. Mm. They're not, right? In fact, they have trials and temptations, mountaintops and valleys, yeah. um, moments where they feel connected to God and moments where they feel distant from Him. Yeah. They're not necessarily impenetrable. They're not you know yeah. people who aren't victims of culture and society and yeah. comfort and affluence, mm. but they are people that time and time again pay us such a great price for their faith in Christ. Mm. But when you talk to them, have this beautiful way of being able to articulate it. Mm. Now, again, they're not saying, I mean, Sandeep is a great example of that. Brother, I'm not able to answer that question. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're not saying, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm a king, man. I, yeah. I know Christianity back to front. I know Jesus. There's this posture of humility, but also this element of um, brokenness. Yeah. Right? But I love that about Christianity. It's, it's, yeah. not, it's not a place for the perfect. Someone said it's a hospital for the broken. Yeah. And the persecuted church is that. But they live with a passion and a proximity to God. Yeah, exactly. And I think when you first challenged our team with this question, we were doing this thing called an EPC, which is where as a team we take a part of a day and we spend it just sitting with the Lord just to put this into practice, to take it from knowing of Jesus to knowing him. And one of the questions you asked us to think through was, was this one of knowing of versus knowing? And I know that I really wrestled with it because I'd walked through a really difficult part of my life that year, which I've shared on previous podcasts before, of grief and loss. And I was suddenly faced with this situation where I was questioning the character of God. And I'm sure for many of our listeners, you've you've had a time in your life where you've walked through something really, really difficult. Maybe something had happened to you or something that had happened to a loved one or a friend and it was completely out of your control. And you start thinking, well, okay, what is um, God's intention in this? What is the character of God? And the thing is, when you know somebody when you know their character, when you know their heart, say if a friend said something to me that I took offense to, because I know them and I know their heart, I'll say to myself, well, you know what, I know who they are and I'm sure they didn't mean for that to hurt me. 
But when you don't know of someone's character, when you haven't experienced their character and don't have that relationship, you're always going to question their intentions. And so if someone says something to me that's hurtful, I don't have anything to stand on to say, well, actually, I know that person. Mm. We're, We're good. I know what they meant by that. And I think for me, that was what I came to when we started wrestling through that is, well, have I actually experienced the character of God? Do I actually spend time with him, learning from him and having this real relationship? So when things do happen, I know, no, God's good. I know that he's for me. I know that he has my back because I've experienced it. Or have I just spent my entire life hearing of him, studying about him? And I think there's such a difference in those two things. And so I'm wondering, Mike, for, for you, for us, for our listeners, how do we avoid knowing of God as opposed to knowing him? Like what, what are some things that we can put in place? What are some markers or indicators that help us know we're on the right track? Look, I think um, I've got some thoughts I can share on it. Yeah. But I, I think <laughs> to give you an answer would, uh, would just be in some ways a half-truth because, as you know, it's something that I'm still wrestling with mm. and I'm working my way through. But, it, you know, talking even to one of the team here mm. only a few weeks ago, and I won't name them, but they were saying that they were kind of having a crisis of faith. Um, and when I say crisis, we, we can think it, it's a full-on, like, you know, end of believing in Jesus kind of journey. And it wasn't that. But they were talking to me about the fact that within society and Christian culture, it is very rare that you're able to voice that without people looking yeah. at you as saying, what's wrong and what's happened. I think Christians, we need to get healthier at saying, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling to understand grief and loss. I'm struggling to understand purpose and pain. I'm struggling to understand God's, you know, goodness. And the more we can articulate that, the more we don't try and project, you know, invulnerability. Mm. We say, hey, you know what? Man, I'm learning this as I go. But I'll tell you what, God has a purpose and plan for my life in this journey that makes me great. To answer your question, I think... If I look back 2,000 years ago and read the Bible, so many of the stories in there were stories where you could say people would emulate in order to understand. People would copy practices, rabbinic law, whatever it might be. You sit under teachers, you learn, you rehearse, you practice, you emulate the art in order to understand the outcome. So in other words, you copy the the spiritual disciplines, the ritualistic side of faith in order to understand God. 2,000 years ago, the pursuit of God involved emulating. And, And emulating, it involves a sense of trust a sense of blind obedience and faith. Mm. Yet you come forward 2,000 years into our culture and it's almost reversed 180 degrees, Beth, because what we do now in our best intentioned efforts of sharing Jesus with the world around us, Mm. we try and say, hey, let me help you understand God before you try to emulate him. Please don't pull me to part on the theology of emulating God. I'm not saying we're trying to be God. I'm just saying we try and say to people, let me answer all of your questions about God, about faith, about grief, about loss, about heartache, about love, about family, about marriage. Right? Let me answer all of those from God's perspective, and then you can kind of weigh up the benefits. It's almost like buying a new car. And so all of a sudden you say, hey, if you're torn between, I don't know, transcendental meditation, Buddhism, Hinduism, Christianity. Well, let me tell you all the benefits of Christianity. Mm. And then what you can do is you can make an educated decision. Let me sell you all of the benefits that Mm. come with being a Christian. There's a real risk in that. And the risk is this. In our attempts to make Jesus as cool, relevant, palatable, and attractive to those in our world that we want to draw into him. Remember, we're doing this because we love them and we want them to be closer to Christ. We don't realize that it's drawing us away from him. Right, because we go from knowing him relationally, being tapped on the arm of a morning, wanting to wake up and talk with him, not to him, but with him, to trying to solve all of the 
character-based questions ourselves, all of the philosophical questions ourselves, and all of a sudden we have a head knowledge of God but no heart knowledge. We do it because we want to draw others to him, but we don't actually realise it in the process. It's drawing us away from him. I wonder what him. the reverse of that looks like too. Like what if we were just really real with people and said, well, you know what, I actually don't have all the answers or I don't know why God allows suffering, but I'm holding on to him anyway. I wonder if that draws more people into a relationship with him than just trying to sell the benefits of it and just sell the theory of Christianity. The Bible says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Mm. And for me, there's that element of going, hey, actually, it's the journey that makes me great. Right? It's yeah. the understanding that, hey, I'm going to try this stuff. And, and there's some questions I'll never know the answers to until I see the Lord yeah. face to face. But my pursuit at the moment is to go from a guy who spent 40 years knowing of Jesus to spending even one just knowing him. Yeah. Right? Because I'm like, it's possible. I see it echoed in the persecuted church. We say they're some of the greatest spiritual mentors you could ever want. And they are because they wake up in lockstep, in a hand-holding relationship with Christ that drives them into him, mm. that when they share the gospel with the world around them, they don't sell the benefits of him. They sell salvation through him, mm. right? And I think that's the beauty of the persecuted church, the beauty of this podcast and ultimately the Open Doors as an organization. And so again, my hope is today, it's been an encouragement to you that it's wrestled with a question that sometimes are probably a little bit too scared to ask. And in sharing our own stories, my hope is it's kind of drawn us together yeah. to say, hey, man, you know what? I might feel the same way Mike does or Beth, yeah. but that doesn't make it wrong. Oh, and I, I find that so encouraging and I hope our listeners do too because for you today, maybe knowing Jesus just looks like still holding on to your faith when you're going through something really difficult or maybe it looks like spending a bit of time just hearing from him and not actually trying to be a good Christian but just trying to be in a relationship with God. You know, one of the things I've found in the last year, Beth, is that it's when I'm most angry with God that he is the loudest. And so often when people ask me, look, I just feel like I can't hear from God, I'm like, well, get angry with him. Because it's the moments that I'm most angry with God in my life that I felt like he's most real. And as you suggested, go away, sit with God, just sit quietly. And it's funny how it's the moment you stop talking, all of a sudden these these Holy Spirit kind of led thoughts just bounce into your mind and you're like, man... My mind is a noisy place yeah. when I give it the half a second to actually pause and say, God, I'm ready. Your servant is listening. Now speak. And um, and so that's my encouragement. If you're struggling to find God, don't be scared and showing your emotion. Emotions were created by God and for a purpose. He's okay with them. Mm. You can say, God, I'm really, really angry about this. Yeah. And talk to him about it. But then I encourage you, sit listen because it's in those sort of counseling sessions with the lord that i found the greatest gap between knowing of him and knowing him that's where it becomes the smallest because that's the moment where i feel like i'm in lockstep with him well thank you so much for listening probably a little bit of a (laughs) maybe more i don't know heavy episode but guys it is a great privilege to be able to share this content with you i thank you for all of the support you give open doors. I really encourage you, if possible, please share it because we don't want to be just that podcast that represents a charity and ends up being a sales tool. We want to build each other up in Christ. If you can, please rate, review, share it. Maybe follow us on Instagram and um, do a story. I don't know, share something. Just let's help Christians follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. From Beth and I, we love you dearly. Thank you for all the support. And my hope is today, this has encouraged you in your faith and left you feeling as though it is possible to go from knowing of Christ to truly knowing him. God bless. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore and Jocelyn Goddo. I'm your producer, Beth, and we'll catch you next month.